Hello, and welcome to Duck Blind. I'm Jill Schroeder, and this is our podcast from Grey Duck Gallery here in Austin, Texas. Today, I'll be chatting with Houston artist Bucky Miller. His exhibition is called Slow Season, which runs through March 28th. Hi, Bucky. Hey, how, how are you? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Um, birds are sounding fantastic. <laughs> it's a nice, easy drive up today. Um, much easier than... Or after the winter after apocalypse. The, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I hear you. <laughs> we, we had some some delays in the show because because of the the weather that we had but yeah i mean just rolling with the punches i, I exactly reckon. yeah it's all okay <laughs> it's all up but it's all looks beautiful well, thank you very much I'm, I'm very happy with with how it all turned out yeah, yeah. me too cool me too um so you grew up in phoenix yes um you went to University of Texas for your MFA. That's right. I, I did my undergrad at Arizona State University in photography and then an MFA at UT Austin that was more generally studio art, but still photo focused. Yeah. So, so you've moved around uh, a bit. Is, is there like a, a sense of place that, that comes through in your photography, maybe even in this show? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that sometimes that accidentally becomes a marker for a body of work. I don't know that I always set out to make work about a specific place, but you know whether I'm in Austin or in Houston or other places that I've been, it, it's like the place kind of dictates certain things about how the pictures look, and those things tend to be sort of easy boxes to to work within as as opposed to trying to create some some more abstract thematic constraints the the space constraints the place can a lot of times do do a lot of that for me pretty easily and so so yeah this work in particular is very much of the neighborhood in Houston where I've I've been for the past year Okay, um, so I, I know that when we were talking while we were setting up the show, you had said that you had been thinking about that question that photographers always get, um, what kind of photographs yeah. do you make? And and I'm wondering if you could share um, what answer you were working on. Oh gosh, it's <laughs> it's so hard. It's the hardest question. And I feel bad even for for thinking about it as a hard question because... It's a completely fair question. There's a lot that you can learn from the way that the question's answered. But at the same time, it's it's so hard to really pin down. And lately I've been trying out... I don't even know if it's right. I, every time I say it, it's a question. But I've, I've been saying that oh, I, I, make, um, I make entertainment. I, I make photographs as, as entertainment. And... and you know, I have problems with that, with how that sounds, because I don't want it to, to you know, lessen the impact or make it seem trivial in any way. But, you know, I, I'm approaching it like, like I was talking about earlier today, too. I'm approaching it more with the sort of excitement that I might want to approach making a motion picture or something. And, mm. and 
the idea of creating these little entertaining vignettes that kind of stand on their own, kind of go together, are full of surprises and exciting strangeness. It's it's uh, fun, you know. I, I, I'm entertained by it. I'm entertained by the process of doing it. I shared this idea with a friend of mine, actually, of, of why do you make photographs? What kind of photographs do you make? I'm sorry. Uh, as entertainment. And a friend of mine said... Um, are you sure you're not just trying to entertain yourself? <laughs> and I, I mean, that might also be true. Uh, there's, there's a lot of play involved in the process and sort of exploration and just trying to hang on to what's exciting about wherever I am, whatever's happening, even in the stillest, weirdest moments. Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> that's that, that's the best I'm at right now. It's it's better than saying landscape. It's better than saying street photography or anything like that. Right. It also says just as little as those things might. Say. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you don't want to keep them too long with your <laughs> with your answer. I always do. <laughs> it's a problem. I talk about how how photography is so resistant to language, but every time I try and talk about photography, I end up talking for like six times as long as I should to describe a picture of a duck. Yeah, is this the? How often do you have art with ducks in it at Gray Duck? Not very often. Well, I'm happy <laughs> that there's a black-bellied whistling duck in the show then me too good (laughs) so i kind of want to jump to um your residency on the east coast um the recycling center slash dump yeah that you had done because you talked about how how the way you worked slightly changed from that experience yeah well it was a really fantastic experience it's a residency in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yes. Called Recycled Artists in Residency. Rare. Um, as a plug, ra- rarephilly.org is their website. Billy and Lucia, who run it, are just really amazing, kind, thoughtful artists and facilitators who do a really good job with the residency. And it is at a dump. It is at an industrial commercial recycling center, and every summer, I'm not sure with the pandemic how they're working things, but generally, every summer, a group of artists come there one at a time and have basically unrestricted access to all of the trash that comes in. And I was fortunate to be able to do the residency in 2018, and it was the first time that I really had to work within quite a confined space. You know, I I was making photographs specifically, you know, within the fences of this dump. And the the features of the dump were basically just a big pile of trash and a couple metal buildings. And so it wasn't that dynamic of a place except for the fact that the trash was continually changing. And so I, I had to work to find ways to make different pictures there. And that involved a lot more staging and a lot more um, inventing of situations and, you know, things that started to feel in a way like some sort of 
large-scale object puppet theater. And, yeah, I mean, to the point where I was assisted by the people who worked there, Billy and Theo, flinging furniture into the air with construction equipment or, you know, dropping filing cabinets from cherry pickers and things and then turning those situations into photos that sort of drifted more directly into fantasy than than maybe I'd accomplished in the past you know, just wandering around Hyde Park in Austin or something. And since that time, I've tried to find ways to incorporate those sorts of theaters into the worlds of the photographs that I'm, I'm making just in Houston or in, in whatever city because I, I like the way that the two modes complicate each other and also complement each other. I think that, you know, the, the strangeness of the invented situations can kind of um, just highlight how sort of odd things are before I've put my fingers in them or however you might want to think about it. So um, speaking of invented, um, there's a um, honey bear that shows up in a few of the photographs um, named Hoffman. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Hoffman. Yeah, Hoffman is a honey bear. Hoffman is actually the name of many honey bears. Uh, There are (laughs) multiple Hoffmans. In the show, there's there's a lot of sort of Hoffman outtakes as well. A lot of them end up on my Instagram. It was originally something that I had just done for Instagram. You know, I, I like to think about Instagram as sort of its own little play gallery space where I can make pictures without having to put too much thought into them and just have them be fun little adventures. And one of, one of the characters who ended up there was an empty honey bear just the plastic honey bears that you know they sell at the grocery store or however farmers markets named Hoffman I'd taken off the label and put a a new label made out of masking tape wrote Hoffman across his chest and sent him on some adventures and it's it's Hoffman H-O-F-F-M-A-N-N named after E.T.A. Hoffman, the the German sort of fantasy writer who wrote The Nutcracker and other things and has an opera about him uh, where he, you know, falls in love with a robot and all of these things. And <laughs> so I, I just started playing with this idea of the honey bear being this sort of storyteller in a way like like the like the man was um and i i just started to love him as a character and started to multiply in the work and started to make more and more pictures with him until i realized kind of in the in the making of this work that he was one of these really important links between the the sort of object theater element of the work and the photographing the world as I found it side of things and that, you know, he was kind of like the recycling center trash in a way. Like I had eaten the honey and he was on the verge of being thrown away, but 
I mean, he was a cool little bear, and I liked him, and I wanted to <laughs> keep him around. And then it, he sort of wound up going off on all his own little adventures and multiplying, and he and the other Hoffmans, you know, figure out different ways to make some situations happen. And I think that in this show, there's a hint that maybe Hoffman's a, a stand-in for me sometimes in terms of like authorship or exploration of this mystery. So, so you'd mentioned that not all the Hoffman pictures like made it into the show, and I um, and I was thinking about photography about like so you have to curate what's in the image you have to then pick the images that will be in the show and then you need to think you know hard about how you're going to what order you're going to put them once they're in the show um i don't know that i have a question but i just want you to talk about like like the process like the continual process of curating um for this show it's never ending <laughs> it's one of the hardest it, it it's so consuming that there have been points in my life when I thought that it was the purpose of photography was the the editing like I I lost track at moments of the fact that the individual pictures really mattered quite a lot and just became completely consumed with the idea of how they fit together because Every time you make a new picture, it completely changes the other the, ones. Yeah. Yeah. It completely changes the other ones. It completely, it opens up a completely new set of possibilities. And I think coming back to the idea of place, that's somewhere we're using geography as a, a sort of container for the pictures has been really handy because it, without it, I would feel so unrestricted that. You know, I've done this in the past where I'm trying to pull pictures from Rochester, New York and the desert in New Mexico and Phoenix and wherever together in a way that makes some sort of cohesive sense based on the sequence. And and it can happen, but it can also just, you know, be so completely exhausting and so endless. Yeah, so, so with this show... I mean, there were certain pictures that felt like they were going to be a sure thing at one point that later on just felt trivial for whatever reason. Hmm. And it, it's it's very hard to know how that's going to feel. And it's it's interesting going back and looking at things I've done in the past to see what holds up and what doesn't. And I found that even if I don't like a picture as much a couple of years later as I did when I put it in an exhibit or, or a publication or something, it still usually makes sense in the context of that group. Right. Which is why I think I still pay so much attention to the sequence and why it still feels really important because like, there is a sort of a, a cohesion that develops and, a, and a, a logic to the pictures that is is theirs and and those little story elements that might appear in one picture even if it ends up feeling like sort of a a lesser photo later still contributes to the feel of the show and still fits like feels like it belongs there i i pause there because i'm you know now hoping 
that none of these pictures feel trivial in two years. <laughs> uh, I was overcome with fear there for a moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that was really important to my photo education. I studied with people who studied with people who kind of have a claim to inventing that idea of sequencing the sort of disjunctive like non-linear non-narrative storytelling through photographs but I, I've tried to just kind of find my own way through it and make it a little more uh, or I guess make it a, a little less important but there, the, but there is a nice rhythm that happens in this show. Yeah, and in some places I think that I've become more direct. Um, in the back of the show, we were talking when I installed it, there's a, there's, a, there's a bit where there are two walls that sort of formally mirror each other. There's a cat photo and then a photo of something that looks like a hand and it sort of pulls out. I can't remember exactly what the next one is, but kind of pulls out from a center and there are these little visual hints that can hopefully stick in people's minds when they're going around the show to to add some continuity to what is in a lot of ways a lot being thrown at you all at once like the 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 pictures aren't you know i i, I was saying earlier when we were doing an, another thing that i would like to make a body of work that's just about bread specifically and that's sort of a reaction to me having to edit out the bread photos from this show which I really loved but just yeah. I, I don't know I like bread I like pictures of bread I, I've had pictures of bread that have felt like a key to everything and I, I kind of want to just focus on that at some point but this show doesn't have that it doesn't have a hook like bread I can't say you're going to come in and see a bunch of photos that are specifically bread they're, they're um loaves but (laughs) there are threads and there are repeating elements that can kind of define the show at least in a in a in a visual way and in a way that can maybe be a path for people through it instead of having to rely on a, a more obvious thematic hook I like the path. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, right? Yeah. Because there can be many paths, too. And many things on, on that path. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, and that, I mean, that's sort of how the work is made, too. There's a lot of finding and, and chance, uh, both in pictures where I'm manipulating things and not. You know, it's like these these things that come into my life and... You know, it's. I, I feel lucky to be at a point now where I've been doing this for long enough, and I also have good enough friends who recognize when they need to give me their cat food bags. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it's 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 like I'm I'm getting help in a lot of these pictures, but there's also still that element of chance and still a lot of surprise in the way that things come together. And I don't know, that's like what you hope for from a good walk or yeah. hike or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Is there anything else you want to tell us before we wrap up our little podcast? 
I'm so happy to be doing this. It's the first time that I've ever podcasted, and <laughs> it's quite a joy. I I will say, I mean, I don't know that it's quite related, but on the subject of podcasts, before you came to me with the idea of doing this show, I was looking for a project to do, and I had thought about starting a podcast. And my idea for a podcast was... It would it would be and maybe you can tell me if this is something that you think I should just go for now that the show's up and it, it was going to be called the Perfect Object Podcast. Okay. And every week or however I did it, however often I would have on a guest and I would just tell them about something I saw that I thought was a perfect object. Okay. And we'd talk about it for like five minutes and <laughs> then it would be done. And it would it was like a, a fork with a snowman on it or right. um you know I, I think Hoffman could could yeah. live there. I mean it almost sounds like a podcast version of your photographs. I mean bit. essentially it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Except that you would never see the thing. Right. And that would be the, the, the big twist. Well and you were uh, granted you didn't say this on the podcast, but um in the video, um you had talked about um words and images and them trying to meet in the middle. So you've done the images and now you're yeah. <laughs> gonna do the words. That's so. a that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just that to to say it here in the abbreviated way i i like the idea that photographs pictures in general specifically photographs are trying to get to language and language is trying to create a mental picture and that they both kind of charge at each other from different directions but never quite reach each other and that there can be a lot of really interesting things that happen in that middle space but other than that, gosh. I'm for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Well. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a, a joy talking to you, Bucky. It really has. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I want to thank Bucky for joining me on this podcast. The exhibition Slow Season is currently open and runs through March 28th by appointment. I would also like to thank Scott David Gordon for producing the show and the Black Drum Set for letting us use their song, A Dangerous Drive. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.